0: And we've been about a year fully in business now, which is kind of crazy, but um, it's a good time to be in this space. And I think um, now, again, more than ever with the 50th anniversary anniversary of Title IX and the overturning of Roe v. Wade, like, we need um, women's sports to grow because women athletes, I believe, are really the group of leaders that, that this world needs.
1: Welcome to Happy Athlete podcast about overcoming obstacles and sparking change in ourselves and the world. We'll dig into mindfulness, enhancing performance, jumpstarting our passions, and learn tools to be stronger, happier, more grateful, and at peace. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Happy Athlete. Want to make a quick mention that next April, Karen and I will be doing a retreat in Costa Rica, April 22nd to 27th. If you want more information on that, just check out my website, seanconley.net. Today, I'm here with Caroline Fitzgerald. Caroline is the CEO and founder of Goals. Caroline launched Goals Sports in 2020 with a mission to make the business case for women's sports. Today. Only 4% of sports media coverage is dedicated to women's sports. Additionally, women's sports receives less than 1% of global sponsorship dollars, despite research that shows that sponsors of women's sports teams have better returns on their investments than sponsors of men's sports teams. Caroline is working to change that. Caroline, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me and for that kind introduction, Sean. It's really an honor to be here and get to chat with you.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited. Very grateful you came on because we we certainly have a lot to talk about. Um, when I you know, we were talking about this before we we hit the record button, the initial thought was you know we're going to talk a lot about goals, which we still are. But then you know the last couple of weeks you know then then it was like oh hey it's it's uh, you know the 50 year anniversary for for Title IX. so it's super important that we talk about that as as well. And of course Friday's court decision by the Supreme Court, or I guess a, a better accurate title is the illegitimate court. Um, you know, five out of the six conservative justices were appointed by presidents who lost a popular vote. You know, they're confirmed by senators who only represent a minority of Americans. You know, three of them that were appointed by Trump, you know, he sent an armed mob to to attack the Capitol. And, you know, one of the conservative justices, Clarence Thomas, uh, his wife, you know, wanted the coup of the government. You know, we could go on and on. Kavanaugh and Thomas have both been accused of sexual misconduct by multiple women. And coming back to Friday, support for Roe, depending on you know the, the numbers you look at or the polls you look at, support is somewhere between 63 to 80% for maintaining that. You tweeted the other day a powerful statement. You said Title IX is now one of the only laws left that grants women any kind of equality in the United States. So I was hoping you could start the show here if you could give us your reaction on this court decision and the the impact that's already having on on women's sports.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Sean. And it's oh my gosh, it's such a heavy time right now for women in the United States and even around the world. This is this is tough. Um looking at this through the view specifically of women's sports and female athletes, this was so, uh, even like more of a punch in the gut for this to come the day after the 50th anniversary of Title IX. Um June 23rd was such an exciting celebration for female athletes, women's where all people really like, because it's we've seen the progress that we've made um specifically in sport over the last 50 years. Um so it was it was a day of hope. I mean, you read the numbers at the beginning, women's sports get Four percent of media coverage, one percent of sponsorship dollars, the pay gap in women's sports—like there are so, so many challenges that exist for female athletes. And the 50th anniversary of Title IX was a day for us to like celebrate and almost double down on our commitment to to pushing through these bar- barriers and creating more positive change, and just keep moving the needle and advancing women's sports. And then this happens, and it is just, just another. Huge, huge barrier for women athletes. There's um one athlete, Bella Bixby. She's a player in the National Women's Soccer League. She had this great um, tweet thread about this, about how this, the overturning of Roe v. Wade directly impacts athletes for a lot of reasons. Um, one, it directly impacts athletes that are on teams and markets in which in which abortion and certain reproductive health care procedures are now or will be illegal. And I'm, I'm reading directly off her tweet right now, but for, for female athletes, this is just like, the political is so personal here. Like they actually rely on their body. I mean, all people do, but on their bodies in a huge, significant way. They have to control every single as- aspect of their body. Um, and now to not have full control over their reproductive rights. That's just, In some states, it's just such a setback. Um, So we're seeing a lot of athlete activism um, from women in sports, a lot of activism from leaders in sports. Here in Pittsburgh, um, the CEO of Dick's Sporting Goods, Lauren Hobart, putting out a huge statement, one of the first brands to put out a statement that they would cover expenses for their employees um, to get the health care they need out of state. So um, this is a huge... Huge. I mean, it's impacting everybody, but for women's sports and women athletes, this is this is just yet another huge barrier that um, we have to fight against in order to to have an equitable sports world.
1: Yeah, and and I was saying there's there's so many hurdles right now that I think can't even wrap your head around them. And 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 one of them, um, actually, I was speaking with your one of your sisters at the yoga studio about this the other day. Is about you know if you're a, a college athlete right now in Texas or Indiana, wherever it may be, where now you have to go out of state. And I was just wondering, like, have you heard if there's any sort of support for that, or what is what's happening there? Because you know, I googled this even this morning to see if anything was going on, and there's been no statement yet from the NCAA that I'm that I'm aware of about how they're going to support female athletes now with the women's sports.
0: Shauna, I haven't seen anything either. I also haven't like looked for it directly. So if something is out there, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but honestly. If there's not something, and my guess would be that there isn't, that wouldn't surprise me, and I don't think it would surprise many people, um, knowing the history of the NCAA and how they have significantly deprioritized female athletes. I mean, we saw it 2021 March Madness, like as clear as day, the difference between the weight room. So if we're on that very basic of a level, not – supporting our women athletes by giving them a weight room facility uh, plus all the other things that happened in that tournament. I would imagine the wheels of progress here regarding the overturning of Roe v. Wade are going to be pretty slow to move.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I have seen some athletes, um, college athletes already tweeting that they're, they're, they're looking to transfer. So it's unbelievable. So, so Title IX. Um, so it turned 50 on, on June 23rd. When I was reading up on it last week, and I, and I think we think, oh, Title IX, you know, that was so great. But the, we, the, the absurdity of the, of the case was was Cohen versus Brown, uh, you know, the uh, Brown University, where they cut the gymnastics into volleyball programs. And uh, one, one of the gymnasts, I believe she was a gymnast, Lisa Kaplowitz, was her name. During her testimony to, to show the absurdity of the, the inequalities, she actually showed she held a pair of, of men's gray boxer briefs because this was standard issue for the men and the and the, and the women's teams. And uh, I found some numbers in the pre pre Title IX area. Fifteen percent of college athletes were women. Three hundred thousand girls nationwide played high school sports every year, but now that number is more than more than three million. And I think fifteen percent of college athletes are women. I think it's now maybe fifty percent, forty eight percent. But these are just numbers. And I was hoping that you could take us beyond the numbers, beyond the statistics, and talk about the progress that has been made, both the good and and also like where where progress still needs to be made.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So right now, we're at this moment in women's sports, again, 50 years after um, the enactment of Title IX, where we are starting to see a a boom in women's sports. I want to call it like, I want to call it the women's sports boom, because I truly believe that we're in it, Uh, starting in, I want to say like 2020 is really during the pandemic, when this all, or I should say during the start of the pandemic, um, the height of the pandemic, when um, we we're seeing like condensed women's sports seasons that were all being streamed. So the women's sports just in that moment became more accessible than they had ever been. So right now across women's sports, all the numbers are up and to the right. So I know the numbers are still really low and they're pretty abysmal, but they're up and everything is growing. So sponsorship sales, media coverage, um, the amount of coverage that we see on TV, it's 2022 and this is the first time that women's sports are regularly, somewhat regularly broadcast on TV. Um, everything is just up and to the right. And I think that, the, not even I think, I know that we're at this moment now because of Title IX and I, it, it took 50 years, but it took 50 years of that pipeline of girls being able to play sport to then... Uh, understand the importance of sport and everything just them becoming leaders in sports all of this kind of working together to now we're at this moment and I I said this the other day it's not like the best metaphor in the world but I'll use it um we're kind of like at this it's like a pickle jar moment like for 50 years because of Title IX, the pickle jar the lid has been loosened and now here we are in this women's sports boom where the lid is finally starting to come up off. And I think from here, like we're seeing a little bit of growth, but it's going to keep, it's going to grow pretty quickly. I just have a feeling. So, you know, just coming back to title nine, I think like it's been a slow roll from there, but it's all kind of been leading to this moment where now we have female representation across every single aspect of sport from the front office to the playing field referees, like we' we're, we're starting to see all these firsts across every aspect of the the sports industry, and it's been fifty years in the making, quite frankly.
1: so growing up, what impact did sports ha- have on you I, I I read somewhere I think I don't know if it was it was on your bio somewhere, but like you grew up playing actually a lot of sports on like all boys teams, right?
0: I did. I did. Um, and for everybody, Sean and I have known each other for a while. So Sean knows um, the Fitzgerald family very well. But I come from a family. I'm one of eight kids. So there's are six girls and two boys. And we joke in my house that like my dad is such a huge baseball fan. Like, were our parents trying to field a whole baseball team by having eight kids? Like, were they going for nine? Uh, But sports are just such a huge part of our family culture. My mom is very athletic. You know, we just like all played sports. Maybe it was the thing to keep us all busy (laughs) as they were raising eight kids was go outside and play like four on four basketball, Um, but always played sport. And yeah, for me in particular, um, I just like gravitated towards sport. And the sibling that I have that's closest to age in me is my brother, Tanner. And so I always played baseball with my dad and my brother and my sisters in the yard. And when it came time to sign us up for Little League, it was actually Co- not even Little League. It's like a step up from T-ball. It was coach pitch. Um, there wasn't I don't even think there was girls softball yet at that time. I don't know if where we played. It was Sacred Heart Baseball is who we played for. But it was time to sign Tanner up for baseball for me up for baseball and my parents didn't even give it two thoughts they were just like yeah Caroline you're gonna play on the team with Tanner my dad was coaching like you're coming to play and I remember showing up to the first game this is like such a big moment in my life I showed up to the first game and ready to play super excited and the boys on the other team were making fun of us they were taunting our team because I was a girl and I was on the other team and we're like so little Sean, like sixth grade, like or not even sixth grade, six and seven year old, I swear. And so I was so mad. I was such a frustrated kid. I was like, I'm so good at baseball. I I'm supposed to be here. This is not fair. So we took the field. I'll just tell the little story of this. We took the field, and I was playing pitcher's helper. Like that's how little we are. We weren't like the parents were pitching. So I was playing pitcher's helper. So I got to stand next to the pitcher's mound and field any ground balls or or hits that came to the pitchers area so I could field them and make the play. And the first three boys on the other team hit ground balls to me at pitchers helper. And I threw them all out like one, two, three. (laughs) Um, And the inning was over. And I just like, remember walking (laughs) off the field with, such swagger and confidence and like, how dare you think (laughs) that we were going to be a worse team because I'm a girl and I'm on this team and I just threw all of you out. And it was just really such a defining moment Mm. for me because that I was like, absolutely not. Never again am I going to accept that kind of treatment. Like I, I belong in this space. I need, I can be here and I'm, I should be here. I'm really good at this. So from there, like sport, I just, played basketball forever, ran, um, came into yoga, as you know, um, later in life because of all the sports I played growing up. So um, yeah, it's just such a huge part of my identity, my family's identity. And its I think it's really contributed to who I am as a person, like as a confident person that can work within teams. I mean, I don't need to explain to everybody the benefits of sports because they go on and on and on, but its it's really made me who I am as a person.
1: And then when did you decide I wanna bring I, w- I want sports to be part of my professional life?
0: It was always kind of in the back of my head. like always at some point, you know i I grew up saying my dream job would be the head of the women's division at Nike when I was like eight years old. That was like the dream for me. Um it but you know, like going through college, you kind of take other turns. so I started in marketing. And I studied marketing and women and gender studies at Penn State, where I played club basketball. So I was still playing sport and then graduated, got a job in marketing, worked in a couple different industries, and then finally found myself working back in the sports industry for P3R and the Dick Sporting Goods Pittsburgh Marathon, um, doing sponsorship and partnership sales for them. And I felt like I was back. It was something that I hadn't felt in a really long time, like being part of being back in sports, seeing the direct impact that sports has on people, both our runners, um, but also the whole community of Pittsburgh, like it really has the power to unite in this really special way. So I, it took, I think it was five, I was five years out of college that I eventually got back into the sports industry through P3R, but it was like, I am back, I am home. Um, It took a little bit longer for me to find my home in women's sports, but that was the moment that I was like, yeah, I need to be back fully in. With sports.
1: Mm. Can you take us into the, to the origin of goals? And how about also like your, like explain to us like your mission and, and like the influence that you're having in, in the women's sports world. I'll start
0: with kind of the journey of goals. Cause it kind of lends to what we do. So like I said, I worked for the Dick Sporting at Pittsburgh marathon as the head of um, sponsorship and partnerships. And so what that means is I did, I looked for brands that would find value in coming to be a partner of the Pittsburgh Marathon so got to work with clients like Dick Sporting Goods and FedEx and Bank of America and I'm really I don't I know I work in sales but I hate to like call myself a salesperson cuz I have this picture in my head of what a salesperson is and it's like somebody on the golf course smoking a cigar like wearing a three piece suit I don't know I just like didn't see myself originally in that role but what I've learned is it's really just building marketing plans for these brands through through our events or whatever they're sponsoring. So anyway, so I was working for the Dick's Sporting Goods Pittsburgh Marathon in um, March 2020, pandemic hits, and uh, we are the Pittsburgh Marathon is every May. It's the first weekend of May in Pittsburgh, and couldn't have it, of course. So working from home, and I was still fortunate to work the whole time through the pandemic, but we were working from home, and- putting on virtual events and again missing that direct connection to sport and seeing the impact that it can have because again we're doing it all from Zoom and everything like that. So um, I think like a lot of people during that time um started just like I don't know, thinking about my greater purpose, um where where would I see myself when we eventually got to the other side of this thing and uh, all of those thoughts are kind of spiraling, spiraling around. And then, um, I started watching the 2020 WNBA season. Uh, cause I just had, I was from home and I had more time. I'm like, okay, I can fully get into the WNBA this year and I, I can watch it and be a fan. And I saw what they did. And just to explain more about the season. So it was August of 2020, 2020, they're in a bubble. The women of the WNBA dedicated their whole season to the Black Lives Matter movement and fighting for racial and social justice. And I'm watching this season and it's probably, there's a good case to be made that this is the most politically charged season in the history of sports, like the whole season. And I'm watching what they're doing. It is, they're playing, first of all, incredible basketball. Like it's the best basketball I've ever watched in my life. It's so entertaining and so great there's such great purpose. They're enacting such change. They're, the WNBA, um, just as a what they did from an activist perspective, they threw their support behind now Senator Reverend Warnock in Georgia, and their early support for him and his race led to a surge of fundraising that helped propel him on a path to victory. So the WNBA's activism ha- had such great impact um, during the season. So I'm watching all this happen. These women have their children with them in the bubble. Like it's, I I know how much they're getting paid this season, which is like like th- some of them making less than $30,000 a year. The max, I think at the time was $125,000 a year. So it's just so incredible what they're doing. And then what I'm also seeing is that they're having record-breaking viewership numbers, merchandise sales, new sponsors are signing on. Like there's this excitement about what's going on with the WNBA. And I honestly became kind of obsessed with it. I I really did. I just, I wanted to be a student of it. I wanted to learn about what was happening here because it was so interesting. Um, And so I'm going for a lot of walks as people start doing during the pandemic. I'm listening to a lot of podcasts and I wanted to listen to one about the intersection of women's sports business and activism and feminism. And I couldn't find one. So... I started a podcast, Sean, not unlike you. Started a podcast to have conversations that I I couldn't find similar conversations out there. So this was kind of like my COVID hobby, if you will. And um, I just started inviting leaders in women's sports onto the podcast to talk about what they're doing, um, so that we could make. And my podcast is called "The Business Case for Women's Sports," and really, again, put a put a case study, a little case studies together that if brands, networks, or people stumbled across the goals, platforms, or podcasts, they would get excited about women's sports as a business opportunity to be a sponsor or a network um, because it's not only the right thing to do to invest in female athletes and girls and women, um, but it's actually really good for business and there's a lot of data now to back that up. It's not just saying, oh, yeah, you should do this. Yeah, you should do this because it's going to make you a lot of money. It's smart to do it now. So fast forward almost to the end of of the goal story um, or the beginning of the goal story, I should say. But as I was doing this and having all these conversations, I realized the biggest need in the industry, at least from my perspective, is we need more money. We need more investment. We need more brands signing on. And I think brand leadership is a really, really important thing, Brands are out there and they have like their own raving fans that love them and do what they say and um, look to them for um, a guidance on not only what they wear, but how they should act and how they should spend their money. And um, I thought bringing more sponsors and more brands into the women's sports space would be the thing to help close the gender ba- gap across the industry. So realizing I had a sponsorship skill set. I was like, what if I try to do this and try to help under-resourced professional women's sports teams and organizations form more brand partnerships? So that's what Goals is now. So we are a women's sports sponsorship and marketing agency that works with professional women's sports teams and organizations To help them get more corporate or corporate sponsorships and therefore more revenue to help them fulfill their mission. So we get to work with um, we work with three teams in the in North America's Professional Women's Hockey League. Um, We work with the Pittsburgh Passion in Pittsburgh. Uh, We work with Baseball for All, which is an amazing nonprofit organization that helps girls get more opportunities to play baseball and lead and coach in baseball, which of course is something that's very close to my heart um, with how I got into all of this. So that's what goals does. And we've been about a year fully in business now, which is kind of crazy, but um, it's a good time to be in this space. And I think, um, now again, more than ever, with the 50th anniversary anniversary of Title IX and the overturning of Roe v. Wade, like we need um, women's sports to grow because women athletes, I believe, are really the group of leaders that that this world needs.
1: Wow, your your passion is infectious. Uh- <laughs>
0: Thanks, Sean. I I I just I am so passionate about, and it's it's it feels like I have finally come into like. The perfect space for me, um, and it feels it feels it feels really good to be part of this community.
1: Well, where can someone's listening out there to where can Where can they hook up with you? Where can they find goals? Where they where can they uh, connect with you on social media? Learn more about what you got going on. Support you.
0: Yes, we'll we'll put some plugs in here. So um, one, because I know we're in front of a bunch of podcast listeners, so. Our podcast again is the business case for women's sports. It's available everywhere you listen to podcasts. So um, check it out. It's it's filled with a lot of great insights from some wonderful leaders across the women's sports industry. Um, to follow us on all the social media channels. We are at goals underscore sports underscore. That's our our handle. But if you search goals women's sports, we come up right away. We're the top result. And then um our website is goals-sports.com. So that's it. Um, you can follow me on Twitter because I'm always t- putting things out there about women's sports and the intersection of women's sports and activism. And I'm at PGH Caroline, PGH for Pittsburgh, of course.
1: Caroline, thanks so much. This, this was a lot of fun. I really appreciate you sharing so much with what, what's going on out there. It's, it, this was a great conversation. I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks, Sean, And thank you. Thank you for all you're doing. This is such a great platform, and it's it's such an honor to have a conversation with you outside of the ten minutes we normally see each other before <laughs> and after yoga class.
1: Well, I, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you you got a lot going on, so so very grateful. And so also wanted to thank everyone out there for listening, and also to Alan, um, my producer behind the scenes with Pretty Easy Podcast. So if you're if you're looking to start a podcast or need some support, please uh, reach out to them. And again, thanks again, everyone for listening and catch up with you all again soon.